and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. This is the first in our new series, Cinema Slackers, where we take a psychedelic trip through some of cinema's greatest wanderers and drifters. Roll one up and listen in. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Appropriately enough, today we are going to be discussing 1978's Up in Smoke. Hey, man. Am I driving okay? I think we're parked, man. Oh, shit. God damn, what was in that shit, man? I never had no dope like that before in my life, man. That's the heaviest shit I ever smoked, man. I mean, I smoked a lot of shit before, man. But God damn, man, that's heavy shit. You okay? I can't breathe. What's your man? I can't breathe, man. We're just, we're here. Hey, man. Oh, hey, hey, I got something to mail you out, man. You're just freaking oh, out. Here. here. I never smoked no shit like that before. Take these, what? man. Take these. This will what mail you this? out, man. What is this, man? I'm just taking them, man. Oh. Hey, hey, don't take those, man. What? I almost gave you the wrong shit, man. Hey, man, I already took them, man. Ooh. Hey, what do you mean? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> wow, man. Hey, what was that shit, man? You just ate the most acid I've ever seen anybody eat in my life. Hey, man, I never had no acid before, man. Geez, I hope you're not busy for about a month. <laughs> shit, I'm gonna die, man. That stuff's gonna make me die, oh, man. man. No, that's good acid. Hey, man, man, I never had it before, man. That's gonna hey, make me die. Well, it's gonna make me freak out, nah, man. man. I seen those guys walk around my neighborhood nah, had too man. many acid, man. The head looked like okay. a pumpkin, hey, like that, man. man. Wow, relax, like, man. Like, like, hey, mellow out, man. So, Up in Smoke is a 1978 film written by Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin, directed by Tommy Chong and Lou Adler. And Up in Smoke follows the story of two young men. Uh, who often refer to each other as man, pretty much at the end of every sentence. Uh, One man, played by Tommy Chong, and the other played by Cheech. Um, And basically they meet when Tommy Chong's character's car breaks down, a Volkswagen Beetle, which had a Rolls-Royce grill on the front uh, for some strange reason. Uh, so, So Pedro, the character played by Cheech, picks him up, and the two of them go on a strange adventure where they end up transporting large volumes of marijuana and entering a battle of the bands. It's a pretty wild trip through Los Angeles and also through 1970s drug culture. Yeah, I was trying to find a lighter to uh, give some ambiance to this one, but I couldn't find one. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, um, this is their first film that they ever made together. They had been together for, what, probably at least 10 years, uh, making records, comedy albums, uh, making music, songs that that played on the radio, actually pretty some pretty famous songs, Um, one that's played uh, actually in the film towards the end, Um, and that one's called... uh, Earache my eye, actually. I was looking into that <laughs> earlier. Um, so yeah, this is their first film together, and they, you know, here they play uh, for the first time in a feature film the the characters that they would go on to play in, in many other films and that they had played before, the perpetually stoned characters um, that uh, you know they they kind of wander into different situations. They're very laid back, um, obvious for obvious reasons, um, and their dynamic, uh, the two of them together. Uh, it works really well, and it's hard to put your finger on exactly why, but something about it just works. Um, and I guess when they met each other, they just felt that spark too, and 
And that's why they, they, you know, were, they were together for so long. Um, so, uh, I will be upfront that I don't have too much, uh, base knowledge of Cheech and Chong. This is actually the first time I've seen this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I have not seen any of their other films. I only have knowledge from things that you would see about them or references to them. Um, so I, I know a decent amount of, of what their, the core of their, uh, comedy is, but I hadn't actually sat and watched one of their films before. So this was, uh, a very, a very fun experience for me. It was interesting, and uh, honestly, the movie was even funnier than I thought it would be, mm-hmm. and even better than I than I thought it would be. So I, I really had a good time with it. But uh, Jeremy, you had you had uh, sort of grown up with it a bit. You said you had watched watched these films with your father a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, appropriately, it's a little, uh, the the films and the experience of them are a little hazy to me because um, I watch <laughs> not, not not because of my state of mind when right. I watched them, but just because I was pretty young. Yeah. Uh, but this one, this one, I, I had actually seen rewatched a couple years ago. So in recent memory, and then of course rewatched it again for this episode here. Uh, but this is definitely a favorite of mine. I, I have a special place in my heart for a couple of things that are going on in this film. Uh, one is rock and roll music, which we already did our series on that, and this yeah. one maybe could have fit into that. You know, mm-hmm. granted, with a bit more of a comedic bent. It's not so much about the music. Well, there's that one line, the one line towards the end where they're going to the play the concert. Where he's like, we're, "We play punk rock, man. We don't have to know how to play anything." <laughs> Yeah, which, or something you know, like that, which I thought was really funny. Brings back memories to rock and roll high school for those yeah, you know, who have like listened have, to all of our episodes. We don't have to know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's punk music. We just have to be punks. Right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a favorite of mine. It's really, really pretty raunchy, which is fun. There's there's a lot of wild jokes in it. There's one... Although, I thought it was tamer than, than I had expected. To, I mean, but also that's coming, you know, from 2019 where it's yeah, like... Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking in like, in terms of 1978, right, yeah. you know, no, there was, knowing yeah. the other movies of the era, like there were, I mean, there were some dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. wild, but they were, they were generally more serious movies mm-hmm. that would kind of push the limits like this. You know, yeah. you would see oh, you yeah. know, a, Martin, a Martin Scorsese movie or a, mm-hmm. or a Bertolucci movie right. push the boundaries. But certainly, in terms of comedy, it was still pretty yeah. relatively tame at this point. Certainly for the time. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think this did make a big big splash when it when it debuted i'm sure yeah it's pretty bad but i also think it really kind of in the same way that a movie like easy rider typed into the uh, typed in tapped into the counterculture mm-hmm. i think that this kind of hit a certain uh nerve with the young young viewing public mm-hmm. uh because they were talking about drug use in a really honest way yeah. that wasn't um it wasn't it didn't condemn it but it also wasn't necessarily just like a cool thing right it, it actually kind of accurately portrayed how you know people who smoke a lot of weed you know it's fun it's wild it's cool but they also end up in kind of stupid ridiculous situations sometimes they end up and in court pe- and <laughs> yeah yeah and, yeah and that the people the people who are spending their entire day smoking weed you know aren't necessarily like like sometimes their mind wanders they're yeah. not, they're not necessarily business people you can't always it's trust like, them yeah and, yeah yeah they were definitely very upfront with the drug use which is is uh mm-hmm. very refreshing to see and i can see what you're saying is you know as far as just being in your face like that at that time um and also mm-hmm. the the time frame you know when this film was made i was thinking about that a lot as well and it's kind of interesting because it is definitely counterculture but it's almost at the end of all of that it's kind of after, oh yeah it's kind of after you know a lot of the films that we've discussed already um where that was more prevalent and mm-hmm. just in society, you know, things, uh, the way culture is going, um, these guys, you know, they, they were doing it, you know, to, to their credit, they were doing it at that time. They were they were making the albums and, and having the comedy shows and 
and they were a team during that time. But this film in particular uh, didn't really come about until towards the end of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's interesting to think about 1978, um, where, you know, where yeah, we were late. at that time. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely pushing closer to the eighties at this point, mm-hmm. which would obviously bring on a whole different kind of comedy movie. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, these guys kind of launched the whole, the whole stoner comedy duo thing, mm, for sure. which is what a lot of our series is going to revolve around <laughs> yeah. as, as we move forward. So it's interesting too, because I saw a trailer for this movie and they mentioned that they were like the new Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. Uh, which which I could definitely see, but what's, what's particularly interesting to me about Cheech and Chong paired together is that neither of them really plays the straight man, mm-hmm. uh, which traditionally a comedy duo, you'll have your one really wacky, yeah. crazy guy, and then you'll have your one who mm-hmm. kind of plays as the foil to that to show how wacky and crazy that the crazy is, guy is. That is very true. Um, uh, because yeah. like as I was watching the film, I was thinking of that, and I, I was like, oh, it's Cheech. Che- you know, Cheech is the straight man, but then... Something would happen, you know. There'd be another scene. I'm like, oh, actually, Tommy, or uh, well, he doesn't really have a name in the, <laughs> in yeah. the Chong man, <laughs> man, yeah, Chong man. is the uh, straight man. But yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of yeah. They, there really isn't one to be honest. Yeah, it kind of yeah. goes in and out. I mean, I guess so. There's a police officer character mm-hmm. who the whole time is trying He's to chasing them. Yeah, yeah, is chasing them and trying to bust them for drugs they don't even know they have. Stacy Keach, right, is, uh, plays him and. Uh, very, he's actually very good in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and and I guess he's kind of the straight. So so it's interesting because I think that this might have hit that nerve because the straight man kind of became, um, you know, the old guard. It be- it became the the public. Yeah. The the public who wasn't in on drug culture. <laughs> yeah. It's like we don't need and that, that kind man, of became yeah. <laughs> that kind of became the straight man and it made it seem like everyone who was smoking weed was mm-hmm. wild and wacky and cool, which is kind of an innovative thing mm-hmm. at the time because, you know, e- even if you look at other like I mentioned, Easy Rider before, but that Easy Rider kind of has the Captain America character, mm-hmm. who is still a man on a mission, and then you have the Dennis Hopper character, who's kind of the more of the burnout. And it, it it's interesting seeing these two guys and the shenanigans that they end up getting into, just because neither of them really has any kind of focus. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the the Cheech character Pedro has a little bit more focus because he seems to want to start this band. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like we said, the, 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 the big thing at the end is there's a, this big battle of the bands that they hear about, and they neither of them really have any direction in their lives. Tommy Chung's character, man, <laughs> comes from an extremely wealthy family, mm-hmm. but we kind of open the movie with his parents telling him that if he doesn't get a job and get his life together, they're going to send him to the military. Which is, um, he's in his 40s at that time, right? Yeah, yeah, the, he's well, definitely least, too yeah, old. In real life, he was, so that's, yeah. I was like, trying to figure that out, I was like, okay, well, I guess that could yeah. work, yeah. Well, and, and that's that's something that's kind of interesting to think about is that the fact that across the board in most of these stoner slacker movies, the people it, it doesn't focus on teenagers smoking weed, uh, but it mostly focuses on people who are a little bit older. Yeah, it's you a know, lifestyle. The, the pe- yeah, yeah, it's a lifestyle. Like they've made a conscious decision yeah. that as adults, their main focus is going to be chilling out mm-hmm. and, and kind of living off the grid a little bit. You will we'll see this especially in a few later episodes of this oh, yeah. but but the, this idea of these these older people who actually their actions have real world ramifications mm-hmm. i think is another thing that made it funnier because a lot of the counter like if we look at that this is 1978 this is the counterculture growing up mm-hmm. so a lot of the people who were 15 16 17 years old in 1968 1969 during the sexual revolution and the big hippie movement and everything at this point are adults you know, they're, they're 26, 27, 28 years old. So it, it is this weird moment where they probably were looking for someone who could represent where they are now. Mm-hmm. 
uh, because my guess would be that, and my knowledge of that time a little bit, is that the movies that were coming out that addressed drugs and, you know, sex and rock and roll music were targeted at a much younger audience mm-hmm. because that's how the counterculture was when it exploded. And this is kind of maybe one of the first movies that said, oh, you know, we want to make a movie for the 27-year-olds mm-hmm. who, when they get caught with weed, it isn't just a funny little thing because they're a teenager. It's a big problem. So it, it actually is enough that you can well, make a whole movie out of trying not to. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned Laurel and Hardy because that's something I definitely thought about when I was watching this movie. I feel like mm-hmm. for this generation, this was, I mean, to some degree, Cheech and Chong, they're in the spirit of the grand tradition of, you know, the, the Three Stooges, the Marx Brothers, Mm-hmm. Laurel and Hardy, in some strange way, like they are that same thing. So, um, a completely different version of it and an updated version. But yeah, there's um, besides there not really being a straight man, there they are um, in that in that vein. So I, I kind of see that as well. You know, it's almost like people were looking for some kind of something like that, and and they came along and and kind of fit that mold in their own way. Um, yeah. So let's let's dive into the the movie itself a little bit here. Um, so. This is their first film, as we said. Um, so we do get introductions to each of the characters, which to me was was very interesting. You only get very s- brief glimpses into each of their lives before they meet each other. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we start with with Cheech or Pedro in the movie. Um, and now was that were those his kids or is that when he wakes up? <laughs> there's two kids there, and uh, he wakes up on a couch. And I didn't know if that was meant to just be like a random place that he woke up or if those were meant to be his i'm assuming that was just a random place right yeah i mean i think that i think that that's kind of the beauty of it is that you have this movie that kind of launches the whole stoner movie movement Mm -hmm. and it just opens with a guy on a couch with no explanation yeah uh which i which i yeah yeah, like where it never seems to reference it again never so it's (laughs) it's possible that there my my thought was maybe like younger siblings okay um but who who knows i mean maybe they're his kids my first thought was like oh okay i didn't know (laughs) i didn't know cheech was gonna have kids in you know in this movie it's that's an interesting choice but uh yeah they never go into it or or mention it ever again so it could be anyone uh which, which is hilarious also and uh and then we go to man uh, who I believe they actually refer to him as Anthony, but I think he's only credited as, as he's man. just man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so then you have the the rich parents giving man a hard time, <laughs> uh, you know, telling him to get his life together, get a job. Which if he is in his forties, I mean, granted, they're they're probably Reasonable. they're probably right on that one if he's mm-hmm. still living at home. So, uh, but anyway, so I thought and, and I thought that was a great way to start the movie off. And honestly, the first twenty twenty five uh, minutes of this movie, very engaging and very you know funny and i was like really with it um i do Mm -hmm. think as the movie progresses um if you're not totally on board i feel like it does kind of i would say the the pace kind of uh gets a little bit slower and the jokes are a little Mm -hmm. bit further apart and stuff like that so but i you know those first 20 minutes i I would say are very strong um yeah and i did enjoy the the movie as a whole uh i'm just saying like as a you know kind of objective if you're looking at it from Mm -hmm just like a film watching standpoint it does probably get a little slower as it goes but um, yeah it does meander a bit which once yeah, again which makes it sense. makes sense <laughs> yeah. it makes sense that it meanders because yeah. and I, I think that that is part of the charm mm-hmm. and i think that once again if we think about audience it might not have mattered as much yeah when it came out because we hadn't seen this kind of absurdist adventure story right. which is kind of what it is ultimately is really it's an adventure story it's about two guys yeah getting into all kinds of trouble with no real knowledge that they're even in the trouble 
Um, and so I think that upon its release, that might have felt a lot more innovative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we've seen so many movies. Yeah. You know, it's like The Hangover, the, you know... Mm-hmm. So there's just so many movies about kind of stupid Stoners or off the and, beat stoner yeah. guys who get into a trouble that's over the Pineapple Express that that yeah, now we're Pineapple used Express to a, for sure, yeah. yeah we're we're used to a tighter kind of more jokey format mm-hmm. but at the time just the idea alone was probably enough that it was really engaging and really wild even when the plot kind of went in a weird direction and meandered a little mm-hmm. bit the jokes were a little sparse at times. Um, but I do but, think there were some great, in terms of jokes, I do think there were some great set pieces where they, they were uh, able to sure. get the joke going and just keep it going. Um, like there's this one point late in the movie where the, uh, Tommy Chong's character is sitting in a, in a van mm-hmm. and he, he's fallen asleep and everyone else is outside the van. It's just him and this young woman in a van and she's going on talking to him oh, right. <laughs> about the, the orgasm sounds of some other some other woman she knows and he's asleep and he wakes up and his leg has fallen asleep. So he's trying to shake the leg out and the van starts shaking and she's screaming, mimicking these orgasm sounds. And there's like 50 people outside of the van thinking that something else is going on. And it's just, it's really, it's, it's good visual humor. It is. You know, it it uses, it uses the form of movies really in an interesting Mm way. Uh, or, Or another example is sometimes they're driving around and they're smoking and the car literally looks like it's on fire Mm -hmm. because of how much smoke you know, is in the car, and it, it, they use these these really beautiful um, images mm-hmm. to tell a joke, rather than just having them say the jokes the whole time, which is something I'm really fond of. Yeah, and something else I I noticed when I was watching is that the comedy itself is a lot smarter than either of the characters. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it kind of works, in my opinion. Um, yeah, the fact that they knew what they were doing and, and clearly took the time to make some some well crafted jokes and some clever. There's some clever wordplay in there. Mm-hmm. Um, like kind of back and forth that reminded me of you know some of the older comedy style um, that but there was a lot of that going on in the scenes and a lot of like yeah like I said like well-crafted uh, you know humor that you wouldn't necessarily think going into it but I think that's why it does work yeah. um, because they were I'm sure like many comedians they were serious about their comedy you know they they wanted mm-hmm. to they set out to make comedy they set out to make a, a funny movie so and also, you know, for as silly as the characters are, I would say there's a, a kind of longing and desperation in them uh, that makes mm-hmm. them relatable, you know? Even if you're not, you know, smoking 24-7, you're not a stoner, you can still relate to these characters, uh, for sure, mm-hmm. in many different ways. Um, they're, you know, they're always left out, they're left behind of whatever's going on in society, and they're, yeah. kinda, they're just doing their own thing, you know? And, and, and uh, this movie, there is a nice leisurely pace to the movie, which we did talk about, which I do think works in its favor, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so the plot doesn't actually kick in to at least, uh, probably, what, a good half hour in? Yeah, so basically, and, and once again, we're hoping that you've watched the movie and you'll understand, but just yeah. in case... Well, okay, you know, so you... the, the two characters, they meet. Let's, let's get that, yeah. So they so the two characters end up meeting, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of a chance meeting, right? I think he just, uh, Pedro just picks up man on the side of the road, like a hitchhiker. Yeah, he's just situation. hitchhiking, yeah. yeah. And that, that's actually, I think, the funniest scene when they're, it's just the two of them in the car together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really just, that just shows you, like, the leisurely pace, you know, they're just sitting in that car, and um, that was the one scene I had known uh, before I saw the movie where they are essentially smoking dog shit. And I knew that was coming, but when it happens, mm-hmm. you know, I, it was even funnier than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, they're not actually driving. They're just sitting in a park. Yeah, they're car. Just sitting in a park car, and he's like, "Oh, I don't think <laughs> on we're the moving, side of the man. road." Yeah. <laughs> and they're just sitting on the side of the road. The cop comes up to them. You know, so that's that scene's great. The whole meeting between them is is great. 
Yeah, so they, they end up uh, kind of, they, they go down to Mexico, um, which was a, another really, really, in my opinion, funny thing is that the, these immigration officers show up and they, you, real, you find out that uh, Cheech and all of his family members have called the immigration officers on themselves because there's a wedding in Mexico <laughs> yeah. and that it's a free ride and a free meal <laughs> and that they're just planning on coming back anyways. Yeah, that's great. Um, which, in my opinion, actually in, it was a, a kind of really subtle, interesting political statement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which, a bit which, of that in there. and and there was definitely a, a a little bit of politics snuck into this movie in weird bit, places, yeah. you know, and nothing nothing particularly overt or groundbreaking, but but in really small ways, it kind of poked at how people could get left behind or yeah. not be considered as part of society just because of their background or their lifestyle choices and really looked down upon for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, they go to Mexico and they're supposed to grab this van and drive it back to the United States, not realizing that the van is made out of uh, is made out of marijuana that has somehow they don't really explain the science they kind of do um been turned into a plastic mm-hmm. that it can be molded into television sets and yeah. apparently automobiles so they're <laughs> driving this they're driving this van around basically i mean their real challenge to the movie is that they're looking for weed yeah. you know they're, and they're that's really like the, the, the big joke for the entire movie yeah. is that they're, they're literally driving you know, a, a car made of weed and they're <laughs> looking for... They can't find it. They can't find it anywhere, yeah. No one knows. No one realizes it. And that's like the, the big joke of the whole thing, yeah. And, well, and they, and, the, and the, the great thing is too is that... And this is almost... Um, almost calls back to like Looney Tunes or, or you know, early cartoons and stuff mm-hmm. is the fact that they don't realize why they're even being chased. Yeah. You know, the police start chasing them, but they don't even, you know, they don't even totally realize they're yeah. being chased and they don't know why. But because they're so oblivious to it, uh-huh. they're making the perfect decisions to get away from the cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, it, oh. you know, if, if they knew, if they were trying to run away, you know that these two people would not be able to successfully run away because they're so goofy yeah. and so incompetent. But because all they're trying to do is get to a battle of the bands and score some weed, they're able to totally evade the police officers well, the, and make the police officers' lives miserable. The one scene, I mean, yeah, like a lot of what they do is totally out of their, or a lot of what happens to them is totally out of their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, they they somehow manage by the skin of their teeth to get out of things without even realizing it. Like in particular, the scene I think of is when the cop pulls them over when they're in the weed van or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and uh, he pulls them over, and the, for some reason, the smoke, you know, part of the the vehicle is like smoking as on, and so the smoke comes out, and one thing leads to another. And the cop gets high, standing there trying to pull them over, and you know he doesn't even know where he is. He asks him for a hot dog that he's eating. I thought that was a really funny scene. That's just that's like just a good use of that, you know, that ongoing yeah. joke they had there. Oh, and there few, there's, there's the other one with the nuns. There's one point when the they're at too, yeah. a border checkpoint, mm-hmm. and uh, and man is smoking this gigantic joint, which he seems to do throughout this All movie. All the joints are huge in this. They're movie. humongous. They're unrealistically yeah. gigantic, which I think also <laughs> may, might be a kind of funny statement on the fact that he's like just this really rich kid mm-hmm. slash man, and oh, he's able that, to yeah. without without working just afford copious amounts of pot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he uh, he just tosses the joint out the window as they get to this border checkpoint, and there's a car full of nuns next to them, and the joint lands in the nuns' car, and the nuns all end up getting mm-hmm. frisked and arrested, right. for, and they just keep driving, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so it's like like all these all these things that, that by no um, agency of their own, mm-hmm. they're able to evade some of the most intense security and police in the country, and you know just keep getting away and keep driving around, and and, and I think that that. That also is kind of the spirit of, you know, 
like drug culture, particularly at that time, is like you know you're kind of against the man, but at the same time you're just trying to have a good time. So yeah. I think a movie that allowed these two people to be against the man mm-hmm. while only trying to enjoy themselves yeah. and not having to protest, not having yeah. to do anything oh, yeah, actually yeah. serious. They weren't, they weren't consciously trying to yeah. be against the man. Yeah, they just were. You know. Yeah, they're That's... they're just trying to chill, and yeah. by doing that, they've somehow managed to upend. Uh-huh. the very fibers of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that has had a real appeal then. And I think that, you know, it has a real appeal now. We still mm-hmm. see plenty of movies and television shows that use kind of the same formula of the, you know, the un, the unwitting. I, I mean, I was just listening to an interview with Jeff Daniels yesterday and he was talking about Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. you know, which this is pretty much a blueprint for Dumb and Dumber yep. Yep. in a weird way. You know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where, and, and, you know, obviously, Cheech and Chong weren't the first big comedy duo. There were hundreds and hundreds before them. Mm-hmm. But the, I think they were maybe the first comedy duo. To do that this kind on, of thing, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that really hit on, like, the youth. It, right. it wasn't it yeah. wasn't your, your parents' mm-hmm. comedy duo who you could go watch. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, if you're a 17, 18-year-old kid in 1978, you're not going to go want to see this movie with your parents. You're going to want to see this with your friends. Right. And, and, that, and I think that that made it a certain talking point it was like dangerous and, and a little bit cultural yeah. thing yeah you know you hang up the poster mm-hmm. like like it, it was it was something that a young person could really have a sense of ownership over uh because it, it kind of felt like them and their friends mm-hmm. but a much dumber version of them and their friends mm-hmm. which so, made it fun it's like they could laugh at themselves while also just enjoying mm-hmm. you know what they like to do and what they're kind of you know not, not necessarily that everyone that listened to them smokes weed, but, you know, it's it's just the spirit of it more, yeah. more than anything. And, and it didn't talk down to that audience either. No. Which didn't. I think was important. Yeah. Definitely. Because there, there were probably, and I've definitely seen movies at the time, that would represent, you know, the pot-smoking hippie as kind of this total burnout character without ever actually exploring hu- who that human being yeah. is. And, and I think that's something that's important. I, I, I heard another interview... Um, last week with this guy named Jeff Baina, who he directed the movie The Little Hours, and he also did Life After Beth, which, uh, side note, are just two amazing movies, if anyone's looking for recommendations. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about how he was watching, um, I think it was like Avatar or something, and there were just hundreds and hundreds of those blue Avatar creatures just dying mm-hmm. at one point, and it never really hit on it because it was just this big battle that was raging on, and it never got inside who, who are those people. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I had this panic attack because I wanted to know the lives of all these people. And like, I, like, I think that probably at the time there was this real stereotype of like the pothead mm-hmm. that was probably um, kind of patronizing and would kind of trivialize that person. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, it made up a pretty large portion of the young population. So this movie really said, hey, you know, there is this stupid, goofy stuff that goes on, but they're actually human beings with lives dealing with problems, like their parents breathing down their neck, Mm -hmm. not having enough money, not being sure what they want to do with themselves. And by taking on maybe some of those more serious themes, they were allowed to be funnier and less serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the authority figures, the police in this movie, are not exactly the best cops around so mm-hmm. i think that was also like a little bit of a commentary there we talked about how there's a little we think there's some social commentary going on here obviously um but that's also just like you know whatever damn the man mm-hmm. like but also yeah. you know it, it's funny because as much as this movie and this duo went on to inspire you know and create all these movies in the same vein and movies that were trying to do similar team up stoner type type ideas i 
you know, this movie reminded me a lot of the Blues Brothers. Uh, another. Cult I was thinking that too. Uh, another, yeah. another big cult movie, which didn't come out until after, uh, very soon after. But that was nineteen eighty, right? Yeah, nineteen eighty-one. Eighty, yeah. And uh, you know, the fact that they're these these t- two guys being chased by police constantly. Um, it even ends at a concert, which both movies mm-hmm. do, and uh, obviously very different characters, but yeah, and very different movies. But they they both have that kind of you know crazy, anarchic kind of. That's very interesting, Chaos actually. That, that's yeah. a good point. They do have they do have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. It's just that you know the Blues Brothers seem to be really serious about the music. Yeah, and you know, Cheech and Chong <laughs> seem to be serious about uh, <laughs> getting else. trying to get themselves to the place where the music yeah. is happening. Yeah, competently. They still have uh, dreams, but they're just not. You know, it, yeah, it's more they're, they're very get, small dreams. Maybe more to get chicks and score some weed than anything else. But yeah, I mean, they like to have a good time, which. And they do like to play music. So there's a lot of parallels there, I think. Yeah. Well, I think what's, I mean, it's funny too, because with these guys, when they get to the Battle of Bands, like they write the song in five minutes before they go on. <laughs> yeah, like true. there's there's no band practice. There's no, yeah. we need to find the best musicians. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, hey man, you have a drum? You know, you have a drum <laughs> kit? You're in the band, you yeah. know? Oh, it's like, oh, hey, you sing? Yeah, all right. <laughs> You're in the the, band. Whereas the Blue Brothers, you know, the Blues Brothers, they knew Cab Calloway and they could call in their friends to come, <laughs> you know, yeah. these really like big cele- uh, music celebrities and everything which is it's, what, it's funny like the attitudes are the, kind of the same but also completely different yeah you know? which i'm realizing now the blues brothers in a way is kind of just like the seven samurai <laughs> uh, or like That's you know what i mean or like yeah, the magnificent seven like yeah. the whole movie is like they go around gather up a team and yeah, then they have this big that, event yeah. it's kind of the same it is kind of the same. <laughs> which is which is i mean you know that's hey, a whole other episode from, right there that's a whole other episode <laughs> but it's kind of dawned on me yeah um but yeah, no, so so I, I don't know. I think this movie, you know, if you're into stoner comedies, which I, I certainly am, you know, especially back in like high school and stuff, mm-hmm. this kind of thing was the funniest thing on the planet. Um, yeah, this this for me is definitely like a, a must-see. Just even, even if you just want to understand the genre mm-hmm. or if, you know... This is where just, it all began almost. Yeah. This is where it all began. And it's also, you know, it's also just nice because it's just fun to watch. Yeah, you know it's 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 not That's heavy. I, yeah, when I was watching, I was like, you know, it's it's just fun movie. Like it's just it's just yeah, it's, just it's enjoyable. Just, yeah, it's very enjoyable uh, for sure. It's short. It's it's only like an 85, 86 yeah. minute movie, which is like, a great. Like, it's a, yeah. yeah, it's a good way to just spend you know a, a half a night. Yeah. Or an afternoon, you just call up a couple friends mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, let's just watch this movie, and uh-huh. you know, everyone will leave with a smile on their face, and maybe because of other things, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, you definitely. That's the other thing. I mean, I was. I was not intoxicated when I watched it, and I had a great, mm-hmm. you know, I had a great time. Yeah, you don't have to do that, but I'm sure, like any other thing, it could enhance it if you're mm-hmm. into it. But um, yeah, by itself, just as a, a comedy film, I think it really holds up even to this day. Yeah, totally. And I think that, um, and a big reason for that is like what you mentioned before is that the the humor is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, the humor in this movie is intelligent. That's what it comes it, down to. It, it doesn't feel like this is a movie that said we're gonna make jokes for people who are high yeah it's we're gonna make jokes for people who because like jokes whether they're high or not but some of these types of movies that came after this certainly play, oh yeah played to that kind of all right we're gonna make this really trippy and like all that kind of stuff which this movie mm-hmm. does not at all so no i find that very interesting as well because you know this is the one that started it all so yeah the trip the trippiest i mean there, there is really no like first person no. drug experience the, the most they get you know there's no like like psychedelic you know, changing color. The most I get to is they're in a courtroom at one point and the man character has just taken a lot of drugs and he takes, he takes <laughs> enough drugs in this movie to have died like five yeah, times. Definitely. Like he yeah. just, he just, and also I liked it at one point 
the the Cheech character just eats a lot of acid and it's never referenced again that he's tripping. Yeah. But like if you think about it, this entire movie he's probably like yeah. with, somewhere else with, entirely. With these characters, I just you just assume they're always tripping or you just always assume. high or you know. But that's um, that's kind of the fun thing about it, you know. It's yeah, like, like there's there's one yeah, but there's one really cool shot. They're in like a courtroom. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the Tommy Chong character is kind of passing out because he's taken too many drugs. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, we go to his first person point of view oh, right. as he's like falling over mm-hmm. and the camera kind of does this yeah. this weird like swing to add like <laughs> that. For me, like that was all I kind of needed uh-huh. to understand because it's like, oh, you know, he's not seeing things. He's just mm-hmm. tired. Like he just cannot even keep himself together enough to sit up straight. Well, um, speaking of the camera, I do want to go into just... A little bit behind the you know the crew uh, that that put this together because there so there is a credited director it's Lou Adler um, mm-hmm. who has a cult connection because he was a producer on Rocky Horror Picture Show the movie uh, Shock Treatment it's sort of semi sequel and he directed only two films one of them was this Up in Smoke his first one and then after that uh, Ladies and Gentlemen the Fabulous Stains which I have not seen but is a, a huge cult movie as well. Uh, and then he went, you know, he was mostly a producer um, and things like that. But uh, so I also noticed that Tommy Chong is the uncredited director. I think he actually was behind the camera on a couple of the scenes of this movie. And he would go on to direct almost all of their subsequent films uh, for Cheech and Chong. So I found that interesting as well, because a little bit of what we, me and Jeremy talked about before the episode was like, you know, who was running things behind the scenes is always one person when there's a comedy duo or team, there's always someone who likes to take charge and, you know, someone who's the director or the writer or whatever. And, um, you know, so we were saying maybe it was Tommy Chong, maybe it was Cheech because he eventually left the duo, went off on his own to do his own thing. Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, that's something to look into more. If you're interested, I'm sure there's lots of articles and, and history on Cheech and Chong to look into uh, where their career eventually went, you know, their subsequent breakup, and then they got back together sort of uh, later on. Um, it's actually more dramatic than you would think. But, <laughs> um, and then another quick connection there, you know, I have to give a shout out to Jack Nicholson. We have many many uh, references to Jack Nicholson in many of the films we talk about. So our Jack Nicholson connection for this one is the car that Tommy Chong drives uh, at the beginning of the movie is actually owned by Jack Nicholson. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that was one of the the trivia things I saw. I was like, that's perfect. Jack Nicholson. Every movie made between 1965 and forever, Jack Nicholson maybe has something to do with it. He has his hand in it somehow. Even even spiritually, he's just there. Because I think he was was shown a a screening of this film, I think, right after it was done. And I think he had just been in a car crash, and he was not feeling good, but... you know, he was just laughing through the entire movie and he, it hurt every time he laughed. But, you know, so I saw I like that that image as well. <laughs> so yeah. Jack Nicholson's always, you know, he's always there. Always. Yeah. And this movie did really well when it came yeah, it out. Did, it it, it, was, really it well. was made for not a lot of money and it made it a kinda, lot of money. It came out a little bit smaller scale and then it it kind of took off, you know, when people yeah. more and more people started seeing it. And, you know, and now you can probably find a poster in every, you know, yeah. somewhere in every dorm building and. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah. they went on to do many more films together, Cheech and Chong, after mm-hmm. this, including Cheech and Chong's next movie, which was the next one after this. Um, and to kind of wrap things up, I just wanted to just like ask you a question because we touched on this a little bit, and we we talked about how this film there's some critiques going on of culture and of authority figures and things like that. Do you think do you think this movie at the end of the day would you call it mostly surface comedy 
Or do you think there is also a commentary on weed culture mixed in on drug culture? I would say, um, um, in particular, I think yeah, I think that at the time it was probably more just let's be as funny as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. I think that they were really conscious of it. You think? Yeah, I think that certain things that were probably on their minds got worked in, but I'm not sure that the goal was oh let's make a statement. I think all these years later now. You know, this movie came out 41 years ago. All these years later, it maybe makes a little bit more of a commentary mm-hmm. um, because we have the perspective to see how the culture has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think kind of both. Mm-hmm. I think at the, at the time, maybe not so much. Now, all these years later, I think it kind of set up the prototype of what that kind of individual looks like, but it also kind of dove into what it kind of means to be lost and not sure what your ambitions are in your 20s or 30s and just kind of drifting along, which is a very real thing to deal with. But the way it dealt with it, I think, ultimately just kind of was on the surface. Yeah, and I think in the end, Cheech and Chong come from a grand tradition, like we talked about with comedy duos and comedy teams of the past. But they did it while doing their own thing. And I think you can see... Obviously, it was very influential. You can see echoes of of what they did in many comedy movies to come, uh, including at least one that we're going to be discussing in this series, one that comes to mind, uh, which I want to keep, I want to, you know, I want to make that a surprise because I I don't think people would expect us to talk about a a certain Mm -hmm. movie we're going to be talking about (laughs) eventually. So, um, but yeah, you can see echoes of of this film and this comedy duo all, you know, in tons and tons of movies, um, mm-hmm. many of, of which I'm sure we'll be discussing on this show. So uh, anything you wanted to add to, to wrap it up today, Jeremy? No, just, you know, great, really fun film. You know, if you're having a bad day, watch oh, it yeah. because it'll cheer you up. If you're having a good day, watch it because <laughs> it'll be funny and it'll keep you in your good mood. Either so way. Just a, yeah. yeah, just a fun movie to watch. Definitely worth checking it out if you haven't seen it. Great. Yeah, it's a fun one for sure. In the next episode of our series Cinema Slackers, we'll be diving into the Sundance generation with Richard Linklater's seminal 1991 film, Slacker. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, and Spotify. We are now on Spotify. As well as on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.